Memphis, 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 Hi, this is Tom Izzo at Michigan State, and you're listening to Grizz 901. What up, Grizz Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Grizz 901. I'm your host, Daniel Greer, and on today's episode, we're going to break down the entire matchup between the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves. We now know that the Grizzlies are playing the Timberwolves Game 1 Saturday, 2.30 Central, And it's going to be a great, great matchup. This is actually a scary matchup, even though a lot of fans won't actually agree and they won't actually give in that this is a team that could beat the Grizzlies because it absolutely is. I still stand behind my pick. And as the last episode, if you want to go back and listen, I said the Minnesota Timberwolves would win versus the Clippers. And I said that the Grizzlies would win in five games. Now, is that tough to do? Yes. Realistically, if you had to make me put money on it, I would say the Grizzlies probably win it in six games. But I still think the Grizzlies have a chance to win this in five games because we have John Morant and they don't. Simple as that. And I think that you can look at a lot of these statistics from the previous games this season. And I'll give a shout out to our guy, Sean Coleman. He tweeted out that the Grizzlies and the D'Angelo Russell matchup was very, very tough this year. D'Angelo Russell was a beast. He had games that were just incredible. He averaged 31 points a game against the Grizzlies in the four matchups. Stay tuned till later in the episode. I had my two best bets of this entire matchup. D'Angelo Russell points is definitely one of them. But looking at this, John Morant versus the Timberwolves, 20 points per game. That's not an average that they have done all year. D'Angelo Russell scored 124 points against the Grizzlies. The next closest matchup was like 69 points against the Mavericks. So just looking back at these numbers, D'Angelo Russell was way over the moon doing so well and playing the best possible games against the Grizzlies that he's played in the entire season against anyone else, right? He had four amazing games against them, okay? Well, you look at Ja. He had four decent, bad games. Like, they they weren't great. Like, he he wasn't a player that looked like himself against them. So when you look at that, a lot of times people will see well, that's a bad matchup for Ja, and, and D'Angelo Russell just absolutely kills the Grizzlies. Okay, yes, that could be kind of true, but also looking back and thinking maybe somebody went way over and above what they normally would do. The other person just for some reason did not play very well against the, the Timberwolves. He played fine. He didn't play terrible, but he did have did he, he did struggle. And that's really what it comes down to. But also, they can kind of come back to the mean. And that is, maybe Ja plays a, a little bit better than what he played against Minnesota in the, in the regular season. D'Angelo Russell f- 
falls down just a little bit, and they kind of meet in the middle. They still both play great, but maybe one rises and one falls. And a lot of times, that's what playoff basketball can do to you. Get you back to where you actually should be, and that's more in the middle of those numbers. So shout out to Sean for uh, breaking that down in this tweet. You can go check it out. He's at StatsSAC. Uh, he's a friend of the show. He's a friend of mine. So I wanted to give him a shout out on that, but he is very much spot on. I think th- I think those numbers are very, very good numbers, but I think they also lie a little bit, even though there's a good sample size of four games this season. I do think that a, the playoff matchup and playoff jaw is going to be different, much different. And we've seen it in the past that playoff jaw is is totally crazy different. But today we're going to break down a lot about the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves matchup, giving you things I saw. I went back and watched all the games. I even watched uh, the Clippers and the Timberwolves game. That game was very much in the style of the Clippers. It was hard hitting. They just ratcheted up the defense. And I cannot believe still that the Timberwolves came out with a win. Even though I picked them middle of the game, there's no way in this world that I would ever have picked them, especially with Carl Anthony Towns having so much foul trouble. But I will give a shout out to Ryan, who is the co-host of this show. And he said, as soon as Cat went out, as soon as he fouled out, he actually went double down on the Timberwolves to win in a money line pick. If you're a betting person, and it was plus odds, it was great odds. They were down eight at that time, I believe, when he went out. And they came back to actually win comfortably. Like they played very well whenever Carl Anthony Towns went out. So is that something we look at? Eh, maybe. We also look at somebody like Steven Adams. I, I don't know how he plays in this matchup. I think he could be somebody who would be trending down. So if you're looking at putting bets in, be careful about his numbers because he's never really played well against uh, the Timberwolves this season. Uh, someone who's played crazy good is Brandon Clark. And that just gives you an idea that the Grizzlies could look to go small in this matchup. And so with D'Angelo Russell playing very well, Anthony Edwards shooting the ball really well and playing well, I think this could be a game that maybe Steven Adams isn't on the court as much. Maybe Carl Anthony Towns has good stretches. He's still going to be in the game, but maybe he isn't the main factor and how the Timberwolves want to play. There's a lot to be decided. I think there's going to be a lot that you see between these two teams, between Coach Finch and between Coach Jenkins, that really brings to light how good of a coach they both are, but also the different changes and the different matchups and the small things that they can do to really just kind of tip over the scales in the favor of their team. But let's go ahead and get into some things I kind of looked at the Timberwolves in that game that they played against the Clippers, they uh, they played eight players. Um, they might play nine, depending on uh, this matchup, because it is more of a series. And so they're going to go ahead and look at see uh, if they can get nine players in so they're not just completely killing their guys. Uh, but also something else to look at uh, within that, and also the Grizzlies. I, I do think the Grizzlies for sure play nine. I wouldn't doubt if they do get into ten. But I think that 10th guy doesn't play more than 10 minutes, right? So I, I do think that that number is definitely nine who they play. Uh, but just looking at this, the Grizzlies and Timberwolves, they play Saturday at 2.30, okay? Well, something to watch is the next game is Tuesday, okay? And then they fly 
back to Minnesota, and they play Thursday. So it's just a one day with travel off. Okay, but then they get Friday off, Saturday, and then they and then they have another break on Monday, and they play on Tuesday, and then possibly if they need it, Game Seven would be Friday, the 29th of April. So the reason I'm showing you and explaining that to you is because some of these games that have more than one day rest, I think you want to look at and see the minutes kind of tweak up a little bit for their stars because they know they have two days off, and that's something that you want to see because that Friday uh, matchup, which would be game seven, if it was to get to that point, there's two days off, so you know that they're going to go hard game six and they're going to go hard game seven, okay? So looking at that, 100%, we know that. Game one, there's two days off after that with no travel. So you know Saturday, both teams are going to throw haymakers, especially with their superstars. They're going to make sure that Ja Morant plays 40 minutes, okay? There's no reason that he should not be playing that many minutes in this first matchup. He has two days off. Maybe the the next game that's playing on Tuesday, game two, Maybe that game is important if you are uh, the losing team. Okay, that game one, that's even more important. But if you win game one, winning game two is important, right? But you already have a win. If for some reason you were to go back and you limited it Jaws minutes, you know, two, three minutes, that's something you want to look at because they only have one day of rest with travel. So I know these guys are young, okay? So I don't want to take too much and look into this too much, but that is something to pay attention to. Because two days rest after a game, that's very big. And I think you're going to see more minutes out of the head guys in game one. But looking back at this, uh, a lot of key things I looked at was rebounding. That was very important. Uh, The Grizzlies with defensive rebounding. uh, Nas Reed likes to get on the boards. Okay, Carl Anthony Towns, a little bit at times, uh, he he can obviously kind of go in spurts when he wants to be more aggressive. But the main person was Nas Reed on offensive rebounding. That gives them the second chance points. So if the Grizzlies can make sure they're able to keep them off the boards, that's important. But going back to what we talked about before with the fact that maybe the Grizzlies go small, well, Steven Adams isn't on the floor. So when Steven Adams isn't on the floor, we have to have good team rebounding because we cannot depend on the big fella. So looking at that, you're talking about Jaron Jackson Jr. stepping up, probably someone like Brandon Clark, or maybe it's uh, Kyle Anderson, but also a lot of the guards. Ja has been a very good rebounder, as well as Desmond Bain. So a lot of those guys have to step up when Steven's off the court because he is a big key factor in getting those boards, whether it's offensive but mainly defensive. Keeping them off the glass for second-chance points keeps the momentum in the Grizzlies' favor. But also, we want to look at offensive rebounds. And how do the offensive rebounds come? Is it just a coincidence that somebody shoots the ball and they get an offensive rebound? No. If you actually look back at it, offensive rebounds come on jaw drives. So when Ja Morant gets into the lane, okay, what he likes to do is bring people into him and he goes right past him, right? But also... You have more people coming to help, which they're going to come over and try to help uh, guard Ja because he's, he's knifing his way through the lane. What that does is that eliminates an extra rebounder. 
So when Jaw goes up for the shot, if we have people crashing for whether it's the dump off to them for an easy dunk or whether it's just an easy put back uh, from the rebound from a Jaw miss, I think that's going to be very crucial. That's how a lot of points that Steven Adams gets. If you look at these, as well as someone like Brandon Clark, a lot of times it's on the jaw drive. So he's going up. Some people come over to help. He still puts the ball up because he's amazing. All right. So why would he not? But the ball sometimes will roll out. And at that point, you're going to be less likely to be you know, somebody boxing you out because they're so worried about jaw and the shot. So that's something to pay attention to on rebounding. Okay. And a lot of times we want to look at the jaw drive as well. And that's going to be the weak side dump off. So yes, you see jaw driving. If you are on the weak side, which is the opposite side of where jaw is. So if jaw's coming down the court and let's say he's on the right side and he's going in, he's probably going to stay on the right side for the most part, maybe get to the middle of the paint. At, you know, I don't. There's very rare occurrences where he's going to go all the way from the right through the middle to the left side of the rim. That. That will happen, but it doesn't always happen. Usually, if he's on that side, he's going to stay on that side unless he does a reverse. When he, At that point, he's at the rim. But if you are seeing jaw drive, look for the weak side cutter because a lot of times that could be a Zaire. That could be somebody like Brandon Clark coming in, or it could be somebody that's shallowing out, which means that uh, Steven Adams was box, well, he was either boxing out uh, on a shot or he was posting up a defender at the paint, and he kind of shallows out as in he moves a little bit away from the paint, creating a little bit of space. And at that point, his defender has to say, I'm either going to stay with Steven Adams and go with him because he's still a guy who can catch the ball and dunk it or be a good rebounder, or I have to leave him and go help. And at that point, when Steven Adams is creating that space, then Ja can see that he can dump it off to an easy, weak side guy who's wide open for a, an easy dunk. You saw this a lot, a whole lot, when JV was here in Memphis. JV was very good at creating that extra space that allows the, the person that who is giving the assist to have more room for less people right there so it's not as much of a cluster in the paint. It just creates that room, but on a jaw drive, look for the weak side guy cutting because I think that's really where you're going to see a lot of easy scores, especially on a team like Minnesota who very much overreacts on defense. All right, something we want to watch on uh, a lot of times when we're playing on defense is getting over the screens. Getting over the screens means that when someone's coming to you, you want to get over them. You want to go above, as in higher, closer to the three-point line. So if you're at the three-point line, you want to go over them. So you want to take away the shot uh, because that's the that's the most important thing. If you go under, everybody on the, on the court is a very good NBA player. They can do an easy step back, create a little bit of space. And if you have space in the NBA, you have a free shot. And at that point... We want to take away those free shots. And, and the main person with that is going to be Anthony Edwards. You have to go over screens on Anthony Edwards. If you go under the screen on Anthony Edwards, he will make you pay. And that's the reason he's been dialed in against the Grizzlies. A lot of times, we are going under the screen. And when you go under the screen, it only creates more space. And at that point, if we have a drop defender, someone who's going back in the lane to try to help uh, take away the drive, 
he's going to take those easy three-pointers, and we do not want to have him with easy open looks. So we have to get over the screens on them. you got to continue to chase your defender or just switch. If you get if you get screened, just switch. But a lot of times, they know that you're going to switch, so they're not going to go screen you. They're going to take someone like a Steven Adams who can go up there and doesn't really want to switch. They're going to take him up there as the screener and hope that you try to switch, right? And then you have Steven Adams on somebody like Anthony Edwards, or you just go under the screen and create that extra space. All right, well, someone uh, we want to look at getting open was Desmond Bain. All right, so usually what I kind of was watching with the uh, Timberwolves is they don't do a whole lot of switching. They try to stay with their defender. So uh, uh, Tony Allen was very much a guy who loved to be um, a, a player who was getting through the screens because he thinks that would help you on defense. And a lot of times I do agree with that. Uh, but some in, in some instances, I do like that you're able to switch, especially if you have a defender who is just as good as the other defender. Why not just make it easier on yourself? There's no confusion. And just switch. Just straight switch. But the Timberwolves do not do a whole lot of switching. And because of that, they try to get over the screens and take away the three-pointer. Well, when Desmond Bain comes up and we try to give him a, a good screen, either with or without the ball, a lot of times they're fighting over. And if they're fighting over, they can still make you feel uncomfortable when you shoot. Well, what something I, I was watching and looking at was the fact that we were doing a staggered screen. And what a staggered screen is, is you send someone at them and Desmond Bain with or without the ball, this doesn't matter, and he gets screened from one guy. Well, the guy tries to get over that screen, right? And so he's a step or so behind Desmond Bain because he had to avoid a screen. Well, you have another guy come up and give another screen. That should give you another extra step. And at that point, at minimum, Desmond Bain, with or without the ball, at this point, maybe he has the ball, he's a wide open three, or maybe he's coming off of that. Jaw looks to him, wide open, pass, shoot, buries it. A staggered screen is two different people coming up to give screens at two different parts of the court. That should give him at least two steps, at minimum, uh, from the defender who's chasing him and trying to make him uncomfortable. So, if they are not switching, look for staggered screens because I think that's going to be a big key to this matchup. It's going to be a big key to getting somebody like Desmond Bain wide open. All right, so we have a few more people we want to highlight as players and how to either defend them or help them get open, such as a guy like Ja. We also have our best bets. But before that, let me just give a shout-out to our podcast network with The Lead. It's called The Leads Podcast Network. There's a lot of good content coming out that is going to be very good. So go check it out. It's at the Leeds Podcast Network, wherever you can find podcasts. Another thing you want to do is if you are a gambling person and you enjoy that part, go check out Bet the Lead. You can find them on Twitter at Bet the Lead. Very simple. Uh, I'm in charge of that account. So if you find me entertaining at all, just in the least bit, then you're going to find us entertaining. We give out good our good bets over there, as, a, as well as have good conversation in our Discord channel. So go check that out. If you don't know anything about Discord, it's just a messaging app. It's an app where you can see uh, different people post stuff. And so it's very simple. It's, it's free to join, so go check it out. We give our best bets in there, as well as some on our Twitter account. So if you want to get more involved, 
join the Discord. It's a lot more fun, and we have a good time. We, we really just talk uh, out through different bets, but we enjoy games and kind of conversating through that. So go check it out. All right, so let's get into the last guys that we have to break down, and that's John Morant. We talked about getting somebody like Desmond Bain open. Well, Ja, what does he do? He likes to knife his way through the paint and get and get to the lane for an easy layup or dunk or just be able to get into the lane to create. Well, on a pick and roll, a lot of times with Steven Adams, Jaron Jackson, Brandon Clark, whoever, you have a pick and roll. If they're switching or not switching, it doesn't matter in this instance. But on a pick and roll, if Ja is able to get a screen and he's able to start his, I guess, his downward ascent into the lane, a lot of times they will know how to react to that. And so you, a lot of times you have to change up the way you attack. And the reason is, is because if you get a screen and go right away every single time, the defense knows exactly what you're doing. So a lot of times what you can do to break it up just a little bit is jaw come off that screen and shallow out a little bit. So he kind of stays where he is to where it might look like he's going to take a shot. Well, at that point, the person who just set the screen turns around and goes and does another screen. Whether they switched or not switched, it's kind of confusing because you don't know when it's going to come. So he kind of shallows out. He kind of holds the ball a little bit. And then he gets another screen and goes the other way where he just was, which creates a little bit of different nuance to the offense. And at that point, he should be pretty open to get into the lane. And if he has a defender come up, that's when we talk about the weak side pass. So look for that. It's just a double. It's just it's not a double screen. And a lot of people, a lot of people refer to it as double screen because there's two people. Well, you can name it what you want. It's just a re-screen. So if you get a screen and you go off and you come back and get another screen from the same person, uh, it's called a re-screen. And so that's what I think Ja would be really good at is every now and then changing up the offense by going and re-screening who you just screened. All right, two people we want to stop is D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Town. Well, D'Angelo Russell, he likes using a screen, such as Jaw does. But a lot of times, he doesn't just take the shot. On a screen, he likes to actually dive into the offense, just like Jaw does. He does it a little bit differently, but he does like to knife and get into the paint right away. So on the screen, if you drop, he actually goes at you. So what a drop means is if Steven Adams was coming up and there's a screen, Steven Adams is going to back down into the paint a little bit. So he's going to take a step or two back into the paint. And at that point, a lot of times what people do is try to shallow out and move out and take a wide open shot. Well, looking at this, DeAndre Russell will take those every now and then, but most of the time he tries to attack the rim on a screen. So if he gets a screen from Carl Anthony Towns, He's going to go ahead and go straight into the paint. And at that point, he could take a nice, easy jump shot or floater when he gets into the paint, or he just goes into the defender, the body of the defender, which would be like a Steven Adams, tries to get that foul, but also get into them, which allows him to get space to make that layup. But if you're able to come out and hedge, he will kick it back out to the other person. So if for some reason Steven Adams does come up to hedge, which come up to guard, and the other guy is coming over, that then creates a double team. And at that point, he will look to back the ball back out a little bit to create space and give it to 
the person who was the screener, which would be somebody like Carl Anthony Towns. And at that point, Cat, he has a wide open three, or he can go ahead and get into the paint to create as well. So just look at that. When there is the hedge and there is somebody coming up to guard him and it becomes a double team, he will back it back out to create space to get the ball to the other person. Or if it is somebody who drops down to the paint, he tries to attack them. It's, it's kind of opposite of what you normally see. Usually a double team, you try to fight your way through it and get into the lane because if you can get past those guys, you have a wide open layup. And if you back down, usually they take the wide open three. He does it complete opposite, so that's something to watch. He's not the guy who is the, the guy who's taking the ball off the dribble and pulling up for a three-pointer. He absolutely will do that. So don't be shocked when you see that happen. But he doesn't do it, and he's not as good of a shooter when he does that. When he shoots off the dribble, he's not as good. If you watch, he wants to be a spot-up three-point shooter. So a lot of times he's doing his normal work, kicking it out, doing what he has to do to create the offense. But sometimes when the ball gets away from him and he's and he's having to be someone who's out on the perimeter, he's standing there looking for a kick out from Anthony Edwards or Carl Anthony Towns because at that point he's going to be wide open for an easy three-point shot. And as you have seen, he's going off on the Grizzlies. And that's how he's getting so many wide open threes is because he's make sure he's spotting up outside the three-point line ready for the pass and buries the three-point shot. There is a line on him that is two and a half over under two and a half three point made. Man, I'm really looking at the over on that. So pay attention to that. If you like his three point numbers, man, that's a good number to look at. Uh, I did something different with him and others in a parlay, but I'll tell you about that later. All right. Last guy, Carl Anthony Towns. He's kind of fading away. He faded away much in that Clippers game. He had issues, kind of a head case. But he made sure he got on the TikTok video or Instagram video, social media video, whatever, of Patrick Beverly. It was very funny, and it went around many places. So he had a bad game. That doesn't always mean that he's going to have a bad game every game. Carlington Towns is still a really good player. But something you want to look at, and the reason that he's able to pick up so many fouls is because of the way he plays defense. If you look at when you get into the lane, Carl Anthony Towns will always, always have his hands on you. That doesn't mean that he's being mean or aggressive or doing it in a, in a bad way, but he always tries to, to fill you with his hands when he is going, when you're driving into the lane. So when Ja comes into the lane, he's always going to be touching him with his hands and he might be trying to contest his shot. He might be trying to just keep him at bay so he doesn't dunk on him. I don't know. But he's always touching you, as well as somebody like Steven Adams, Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Clark. When they get into the lane and they make a shot or uh, uh, they're attempting a shot, his hands are always going to be touching you. Now, his hands touching you, is that a foul? No. But something to watch, and and the reason the Clippers did so well at drawing fouls is because They did an acting job, a little bit of a flop, a little bit of a scream, a yell, because what it then looks like to the ref is his hands are on you, and if you make the move to jump back and make the yell like, ah, ah, he's hurting me, he's pushing me, yeah, that's that's what it's going to sound like. 
You're welcome. But you then can draw the foul on him. And the reason is, is because his hands are always on you. Just watch, because that's how he's getting these cheap fouls. Is when you get into the lane, he's always trying to be touchy-feely with you because that's how he guards. He uses his hands to guards. So just make sure the Grizzlies have a chance to really pick up cheap fouls on him because he's always going to be touching you. So if you lean away on a shot and you make it look like more than what it is, you can get those extra cheap fouls on Carlton Towns. The last thing, in the post, Carlton Towns is really good in the post. On the drive, he is really good. On the shot, he's really good. He likes to shoot open three-point shots. He's not going to completely kill you unless you just leave him wide open and he gets hot. So if you keep a hand in his face, he doesn't really feel as comfortable. So keeping a hand close to him, keeping someone close to him, he's not going to always take the shot. He does like to drive. And at that point, he likes to put his head down and drive. And he tries to get into you. So at that point, the Grizzlies are able to draw an offensive foul. So look at somebody stepping up, drawing an offensive foul, because that's what he does. He puts his head completely down when he gets into the lane. The other thing out that I'm looking at is the post. When Carlton Town catches the ball in the post, he does not pass out. He doesn't. When he catches the ball into the post, he is doing one thing and one thing only. He's trying to score. And at that point, you know that you can leave your defender if you're close enough to get to him to give him a double look. He is not going to pass. Rarely does he pass. When he does pass, his other teammates are wide open for wide open threes because everybody knows when Carlton Towns catches the ball in the paint or near the paint on a post-up, he is looking to do one thing and one thing only. And that is simply to score. So if you're able to help out to hedge off of your guy and give us a quick look at a double team, that can kind of give Carl Anthony Towns enough of a feel that makes him uncomfortable to make him miss these wide open shots or maybe keep him away from a good post-up position. So look at the Grizzlies doubling quick when Carl Anthony Towns catches in the post because Carl Anthony Towns will not pass the ball out. That is the official breakdown of my Grizzlies and Timberwolves matchup. Let's get into the best bets that I have so far. And after that, I'll explain to you what's going to happen. We have episodes coming out every day leading up into the game. So the best bets that I have so far. My number one, Ja Morant over five and a half rebounds. And the reason is, is because he is averaging the five and a half versus the Timberwolves. Well, in one of those games, it was a blowout, and he had zero rebounds. It was terrible. Ja didn't play well. The team didn't play well. It was pretty much done from the beginning, and I believe that's the reason he had zero rebounds. But if you take that game out, he put up six rebounds in one game and then two games of eight rebounds each. So he cleared that line in three of the four games. And if you believe what I believe as a Grizzlies fan, the grindhouse, the FedEx Forum is going to be rocking. There's no way this team is getting blown out in game one. So with that being said, I believe that John Morant will clear this line. Over five and a half rebounds at a minus 118. You can find this and all the other bets I've given on FanDuel. They're the only 
book out right now that has plays for this game. So go check it out. All right, the other one that I gave a little bit on earlier is D'Angelo Russell over 18.5 points. And the reason is, is because he averages 31 points against the Grizzlies every single game this year. He put up games of 30, 28, 29, and 37. Every game cleared this number by 10 points. Every game. And so make sure you go check it out. 18 and a half. It's my lock. It's a it's a two-unit play. It's a big play for me over 18 and a half. I think he is so important for this team, uh, for the Timberwolves to even have a chance. If he does not play well, I do not expect the Timberwolves to be even close, anywhere close to the game. He has to play well for this team to be good, and I think he will be good. He just put up 29 points in a play-in game versus the Clippers. So he definitely does have it, and I think D'Angelo Russell with the uh, veteran leadership, the probably the most veteran person on player on this team, I think that he will show up in the playoffs. And so just check out that over 18.5 points. The other one, over 2.5 three-points for D'Angelo Russell as well. Now, I don't love that I'm playing two plays for the Timberwolves, but over 2.5 three-pointers, he's hit this in every single game against the Grizzlies now playoff basketball a little different but I still expect him to have some some open three-point shots that he that he gets to but he had games of six four six and three so even in the blowout he only had four but the other games every game that was close even in losses he still had six four six and three so we're gonna go check that out it's on FanDuel at plus 102 uh, D'Angelo Russell over on the points is a minus 114. So the, both are good lines for him. So if you're playing one, you probably play the other because they're probably going to correlate and go together hand in hand. So if you miss one, you're probably missing both. I'm sorry. I apologize. It's a big play. It's a lot of eggs in one basket, but I like the play. Speaking of all the eggs in one basket, we're going to go back to a parlay. It's going to include D'Angelo Russell. So, I know it's scary and some people don't like doing that, but I'm going all in on this play. What that simply is, is what we call the three-point hip-hip hooray! Hip-hip hooray! And we're going to include two three-pointers each. Two, just two. D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, and Desmond Bain. All three guys to hit two three-pointers each. I think that's okay. I think that's acceptable. And we're going to include one guy who is the crazy, Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly, just to hit one three-pointer. And what that gets you is a plus 119. It's better than even odds. Plus 119, I feel like our odds are good. I think Patrick Beverly definitely does hit one three-pointer. I think he's good enough for that. But I also think that we can count on Edwards, Bain, and Russell to all bury two three-pointers in this game. I think it will be a high-scoring game. And because it's game one, it will have a lot of energy to it. But I also know that this is a long series. This isn't going to be something that's quick. And so they have to make sure they hold some back, even though they have two days of rest, they hold some energy back for the rest of the series. So go ahead and hit it. Plus 119 on the parlay. Also, there will be boosts that come. 
for all the NBA playing games. So if you want to wait a little bit on the parlay, feel free. You're going to have some kind of a boost. You can add a boost to it, whether it's on DraftKings or FanDuel. You can add a boost to it at some point and probably get better odds closer to the game. So if you want to, hold off on the parlay. It's fine with me. Well, that's all we have this week. This is the playoff edition. I'm geared up. If you can't tell, I'm dug into this matchup. I'm dug in on the podcast. I'm getting ready to bring you so much content, so make sure you stay tuned. And I also want to say thank you. This season has been crazy. It's been good. But also, the numbers that we're getting, I shouldn't be, right? I shouldn't be getting the numbers that we're getting The amount of respect I get from other people telling us how good the podcast is, but also just enjoying the podcast as a whole, enjoying Grizz Lead. Check us out at Grizz underscore lead. Thank you to everyone. It's been a wild ride. It's been a good first season of having the podcast as a standalone podcast away from everything else, but being part of the lead sports media. Just want to say thank you. It's been a fun, fun time. It's been a fun ride, but I don't want this ride to be over. And with that being said, tomorrow you are getting a podcast. We were recording early in the morning with Jessica Benson from Grind City Media. We're going to have her on. I'm going to ask her a lot of questions that might be able to break down exactly how she feels about the Grizzlies, but also break down the matchup a little bit further. So I'm going to have some questions for her. And then Saturday morning, I expect if Ryan, Ryan, you listening, if Ryan will come through, he wants to give another breakdown of what he sees in the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves matchup. So a lot of breakdown early into the series, you're going to see that. Another thing, come check us out. We are going to have a Spaces, Twitter Spaces. If you don't know what that means, it's just live audio. We're going to have Twitter Spaces before every game. We're teaming up with the guys over at T-Wolves Lead, which is the Timberwolves account for the Lead Sports Media. The T-Wolves Lead will be with us, whoever the host team is will be the host of the Twitter account. So if you're the home team, you're the host. And so that with that being said, we are going to have the first two games a little bit ahead of the game. We're looking at maybe 30 minutes ahead of the game. We're going to be able to break down the matchup. We're going to be able to bring fans together. Together. Be nice to the Timberwolves fans. They are geared up. Yes, some of their fans are crazy. And if you stay tuned to our Twitter account through the entire series, Game one, you're going to be laughing. I have something that I'm ready to unveil, but it won't be until the game starts, and it's going to be great. I've sent it to a lot of friends, and we've been working on it and getting it ready, but it will be some posts that you're going to absolutely love. So make sure you share that, uh, retweet it. It's going to be fun. Uh, But we will have that content coming to you, and then after every game, we're going to be recording. If there's two days off, such as there is after the Saturday matchup, Expect to get a uh, podcast on Monday. That allows me some time after the first game to kind of break it down further to really what happened, but also spend time with family, and that's important, and I like doing that on my Sunday. And so with it being the Easter Sunday, we're going to be spending even more time with the family. So expect to get the podcast dropping on Monday. But after that, you will get the podcast the next day. We'll record after the game for the most part. Um, every day and so you're going to get the podcast coming out the next day so if there is a game on Tuesday expect to get a podcast on Wednesday and further on throughout the entire playoff series this one and then the next one and the next one and the next one 
We're going to keep going forever until the game's over. And at that point, we'll pour one out for a great season. All right, that is all we have. It's a great day. It's a great weekend upcoming. Make sure you hug some loved ones and be nice and tell your friends.